What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, coming to you live on this beautiful Tuesday night, here to talk about some All-NBA and a new series that Noah and I are going to be doing throughout the offseason, where we highlight a specific team and what they should be doing during the offseason, and what the future of that team should look like. Noah, I'm, I'm pretty excited here, dude. Yeah, um, I've been cooking up in the lab, Con. You know, hopefully we're looking to make an off-season plan for every team, ideally. And I'm really excited to get started with this series because, you know, my favorite part of any 2K game, Con, is playing um, as if I'm the GM and trying to win a team of championships. So why not translate that into a podcast? I love it. I mean, part of the basketball product is... 50%, no, 90%, just talking about basketball and what you would do if if you had the power to control a basketball team. No, I, I'll, It's 50%, and then 40% is just getting on Twitter and roasting Paul George, and then 10% is actually watching basketball. I would totally agree with that. Maybe bump up the roasting Paul George on Twitter a little, yeah. and then I think you yeah, got yeah, the yeah, formula true, true, right. True. Yeah, uh, well, I worked with a team of scientists to work that formula out, so don't debate the math, all right? Sometimes Paul George has a good game, and then Twitter's really quiet. So it's kind of this weird back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, um, tough stuff. Should we get into All-NBA first team, or first con? Um, that came out earlier today, and I think it's a good topic to start off with. Do you want to read off the teams? Yeah. Let's should we take it team by team or do you, do you want to hear all teams right now? Let's take it team by team and then we'll get our thoughts after every team. Alrighty, we'll start with all NBA first team and off the bat, no, not a lot of complaints from me here. The two guards are Steph Curry and Luca. The forwards are Giannis and Kawhi, and then the center is the MVP of the league in twenty twenty one, Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I. Don't really have a single problem with that first team, Colin. Um, I think they got it exactly right, honestly. Yeah, I think so too. Like I was saying before that burp. Oh, excuse um, you. Yeah, the only issue I I had was, was not with the team itself, but that Giannis was the only first ballot, or um, everybody voted for Giannis. What, what's that unanimous. Word I'm for? Unanimous. That is the word. He was the only unanimous pick. The MVP of the league wasn't unanimous. There, there, there was a Jamoke out there that, that thought that <laughs> it wasn't him. Uh, I want to meet that man and honestly break his kneecaps. Yeah, moron. If Joel Embiid had played a whole season, sure, but he didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's silliness. It's silliness, but uh, take it player by player, I mean... Steph Curry obviously finished second in the MVP voting, um, despite not really making the playoffs, even though they probably should have, depending on your view of the play-in game situation. He was lights out, and that that was kind of a, a dog-shit Warriors team aside from him. He really put the team on his back there. Luka, I mean, playoff Luka. I, I think Luka at the age of 22 is a top five player in the NBA. And then Giannis and Kawhi, those are names you've seen on these lists before, and Jokic is your MVP. I think it's a, a pretty clean sweep there. Yeah, they honestly got that team perfectly. Um, but I do have some quips with um, the other teams, Colin. But honestly, you can read off the all-second team. I honestly think they got this one pretty right, too. Yeah. At the guard positions, you've got Dame and CP3. At the forwards, you have Julius Randle and LeBron. And then the center is Joel Embiid. Um, the only one that sticks out to me a little bit is Julius Randle, just because it still takes me a little bit to wrap my head around the fact that Julius Randle and the New York Knicks uh, could do this and, and produce an all-NBA second-team player. Yeah. I was uh I was kind of surprised to see him on the second team here, Con, but I'm pretty happy he got recognized for the season that he had. 
um, because compared to his last season, um, this season was leaps and bounds better. And I'm glad to see that his hard work got paid off in an all-NBA second team. And you look at the guys that he's next no. to, and they're all, like, bona fide superstars, basically. And is it time to start saying Julius Randle's a superstar? Maybe not, because he well, choked in I... the playoffs, but <laughs> we might be getting there. We'll see. Let's see him reproduce it first. And the question I have to ask you, Noah, is this. If Julius Randle does this for not the New York Knicks, let's say same situation, he goes out to, I don't know, Portland and does it. it do you think he's still recognized for his efforts? And he puts up, like, the same exact numbers? Same exact numbers, same situation, too. Kind of crappy ownership. No no real expectations going into the season. And then he does this. You yeah. Think he still makes All-NBA? I think that no expectations um, coming into the season really did pay dividends to Julius Randle calling because it provides a little bit more of a shock mm-hmm. factor. But there certainly is a New York Knicks market bump here to Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think he makes an All-NBA team, even if he were um, in this scenario on Portland. But yeah, I think him being on New York and them not having an All-NBA player in so long does play a little bit into this. All right, fair facts. And honestly, I wouldn't have been upset necessarily if I saw Chris Paul uh, on the first team instead of Luka. I think that may have been warranted. Not that I, yeah, I think I probably would, just given what he did. But, you know, with that said, Luca was Luca, and I'm not really going to lose any sleep over that nuance. Yeah, that's a, weird, that's a weird argument because it's more like, yeah, Luca has a statistical advantage, and while Chris Paul's numbers may be less, his basketball impact directly translated to the Suns being the second seed. So it's a, it's a little weird argument right there. Like, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And before we get into the third team, because there's going to be a lot of debate here, where do you stand on the uh, spectrum of of people that sometimes believe that these awards, the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, the All-NBA teams, should at least take into account the playoffs in some aspect? And I get, you know, you get guys on here who didn't make the playoffs that don't have that that leverage, but I think there's something to be said for counting in somebody like Chris Paul who just manhandled the Denver Nuggets and the true MVP, Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I think in an ideal world, Colin, I would would love for the playoffs to be accounted into the... Um, you know, the votes are weighted until we see what these guys can do in the playoffs. I think that would be awesome. But it would fuck up. It would fuck over some of these guys who, like Brad Beal, who are on awful teams but put up great numbers. But would he be snubbed from even though he had a great season just because his team didn't make the playoffs? Um, and I guess it would really matter how much you affect winning, how much winning affects into these um, votes. Fair enough, and, and that leads into the third team, and we'll really get into it. But the guards are Brad Beal, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy McBuckets, Pandemic P, and the French monster himself, Rudy Gobert. I look at this list and have some problems. Well, well, some where are problems. your initial quips with this list, Con? <sighs> All right, well, the Brad Beal one is tough for me because he wasn't even the best guard on his own team. Russ carried that team to the playoffs. It wasn't Brad Beal by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, Brad Beal put up phenomenal scoring numbers. Phenomenal. But it was Russ's impact that did it, that that actually made the Wizards into a somewhat winning team. And... It's tough for me to sit here and say that Brad Beal deserves this purely because he scored a lot of points, 
and didn't contribute to the team in in the most impactful way in comparison to the other people on his team. Yeah. Um we kinda had this similar argument, Colin, around all star break or all star um selection mm-hmm. time where I think it's fine for Brad Beal to get that recognition during All-Star selection, Colin. But when it mm-hmm. comes to All-NBA, I think it's a little bit of a higher degree of like recognition to where mm-hmm. I don't think he's just an insta-lock third-team um, guard. I think, you no. know, personally, if I had a vote in here, Colin, I'm, I'm voting Donovan Mitchell. Um, I'm, I'm voting Donovan Mitchell over Bradley Beal. Um, we're looking at a guy who improved he improved both in assists and scoring this season and the jazz finished the number one seed in the west and i think that's me valuing um wins a little more than maybe the voters do but Mm -hmm. i think it's a real hard hard decision to just have brad beal here over um donovan mitchell yeah yeah well and not even just the best record in the west they had the best record in the nba a team that going into the season, obviously they've had success as a team, but they weren't the storyline. I mean, we were talking, are the Jazz fake? That was how we started this season, and we both agreed that the Jazz couldn't actually do anything. And now they're sitting here tied up against the Clippers after taking a 2-0 lead, and Donovan Mitchell is doing everything he can. And they're missing Mike Conley, and they're still doing that. Yeah. Um initially I feel I feel bad for Donovan Mitchell. Um my other um my other quip with this con is I'm a little bit of a Jimmy Butler hater in general. Um I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of him. I think he's a pretty overrated superstar. Um personally, we look at Jimmy's numbers this season, Con. He played fifty two games, he averaged twenty one points, six rebounds, seven assists, and a guy who personally I probably would have voted in over was Jason Tatum, a guy who averaged 26 points, mm-hmm. played 64 games, averaged seven rebounds and four and a half assists. Um, personally, I would have voted Jason Tatum over Jimmy Butler. And the bigger, th- the bigger thing here, Colin, is that Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum, who both did not make any of the All-NBA teams, are both not eligible to receive the Supermax um, extension anymore. Essentially, they're missing out on $33 million on their next contract, Con. And I just think it's so ass that um, the eligibility requirements there are these all-NBA team awards when, like, why is it based off them making an all-NBA team, really, is my question. Yeah, I know that Draymond Green has has talked at length to this exact point because it's an award given by the journalists. That's really what it is. How does, you know, Bill Simmons get to decide how much Donovan Mitchell makes? Because that's truly what's happening, and that's what you've tied it to, and that's why the players care so much. And I I don't have a real answer for you. I I don't get why people who sit on the sidelines and – watch the game and, and critique it for a living and follow storylines and not necessarily players or who the best players are, but just who the most marketable players are, and then decide off that because marketability definitely doesn't equate to ability. Yeah. That um, nice. that was a do you think, point. Do you think players, if you were an NBA player, Colin, do you think you would respect a guy more like Donovan Mitchell who didn't put up the numbers Brad Beal did but clearly affected how his team did on the court um where do you value that versus straight stats um you know what you you hear players talk about it because the players are the ones that are out there every single night and like obviously so so let me like say this and, and take it for what it is. So obviously, like Kevin Durant isn't he didn't make this list and he didn't play enough games and and that's fine. 
but just the, the amount of respect that he gets from other players with his ability to score it seems to be unmatched and sometimes as fans I think we forget that and he played one of the best playoff games of all time uh, that, that's not um, just me saying that we did the game score it was the third highest game score in playoff history um, but it, but as fans sometimes we like to clown on him do whatever and obviously he's a superstar and I think fans respect him for that now if if we go down the list I've listened to interviews where people will say who's who's the hardest guy to guard in the NBA and players will say different things and you start hearing names like Devin Booker Kyrie Irving LeBron KD and when a guy like Devin Booker is on that list, that means to me that, that these stats, these empty stats of that narrative wasn't true this whole time, and obviously it was proven this season. And it means that the other guys in the league respect what he does. I don't know that about Brad Beal. I haven't heard that about Brad Beal, and I certainly don't think I've heard that about Jimmy when it's specifically in the context of of his offense. So no, I uh I don't think that stats should matter as much in this award. I think it's a fine uh, all-star game metric, but I think that this should be um more more of a focused conversation as to how this happens. Yeah, um yeah, I I really think that Jason Tatum should have made one of these teams gone. Um, for me personally, if I was the commissioner of the league, I would get rid of locking these all NBA teams into two guards, two forwards, one center. Um, personally, I don't know if there's three centers every year that deserve to have a spot on these all NBA teams. And I think if they were to get rid of the positional um, these positional requirements, I think that we could see a lot of these other guys who got snubbed to be on there. Because I think Jason Tatum, who played 64 games, the only time he missed this year, Colin, was due to COVID-related reasons. Um, I would have had him over both Kyrie, who missed a lot of time due to only personal reasons, and Jimmy Butler. Um, It just sucks that these journalists, who probably can't even make a left-handed layup, get to basically decide... That Jason Tatum misses out on a $32 million bonus. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's just me, another person of See, the NBA media. Hopefully one day, Colin, we can get to vote and we can right yeah, their wrongs. I would love to vote. I would love to vote. That's that's what this country is run on is that some of us have the ability to vote and some of us have a harder time voting. And that's that's just... That's how it was set up a long, long time ago. And you and I right now, Noah, our vote doesn't really count out for all that much. And before we get into this next segment, Con, just to poop on Jimmy Butler over Jason, um, the Jimmy Butler over mm-hmm. Jason Tatum a little more. Jimmy Butler, who already said, played fewer games. He averaged fewer points, rebounds, and blocks um, when compared to Jason Tatum. And he also shot worse shooting percentages in every category than Tatum. I'll just let that sink in for a second. Um, I think reputation, Colin, plays a little bit too much yeah. into both All-NBA and All-Defensive um, awards, which I would like to Absolutely. see getting rid of. Absolutely. And right quick before we move on to this next topic, I, I have a proposal. In, instead of journalists being the ones to vote, I would much prefer it to be the NBA coaches and their staffs I don't know how far down the line you go in the assistance, but allowing the people who are actually game planning against these players to sit there and say, hey, you know what? I, I know that Brad Beal's putting up these numbers, but we don't we don't really have to worry about him. But man, Devin Booker, he just he is so tough to game plan against. He does everything. It just. I got to go with Devin. Like I'd love that way more than the journalists who take into account storylines and media centers and all that good jazz. 
Yeah, the process is a little flawed, but um, hopefully that'll get fixed one of these years. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Noah, as we move into this next segment, why don't you kind of explain more in detail what you imagine this um, the segment, this series of segments that we are going to put out over the course of the offseason is about how, how you specifically think about it and... Um, yeah, I think just just give us a little bit more background on, on what we're going to be doing. Yeah, so as you know, Colin, I've um I found a new job, so I've had quite a bit of time in my ha- in my hands to um be creating these off season plans for um different teams that I've been picking and choosing, and it more is it more so is just me looking at this team's off season, and it's me acting as if I'm the GM of that team and what I would like to see my team do this offseason to get them closest to winning a championship because that's every team's end goal at the end of the day, Colin, is to win a championship. And it'll make more sense as we go through it. Um, I have it segmented out a little bit, but it won't really make much sense if I just talk through it. And I'm ready to get into this, Colin. Um, It's going to be a lot of me talking and you reacting so if you're, you you know if you're a bench chatter listener and you're more of a Colin fan, sorry Colin fans, it's a it's a Noah kind of podcast right now. But I think hey hey, <laughs> hey Colin fans, fuck you guys. Uh, but right up yeah. there, right up there. Get, I haven't really, I haven't I really, sh- I haven't really shared these plans with anyone, Colin, and I'm excited to get your reaction to it and see um, what you think of my moves. All right. All right. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And, and yeah, hopefully this can the become first team we will be covering. Yeah, hopefully this it can become a series that we'll do and we can cover every team. But the first team we're going to start off con is the Charlotte Hornets and their 2021 off-season plan. And to I me, I know just first reaction I have to this is when you had proposed this to me and you you'd sent me a couple different teams the Hornets initially did not pop to me is the most exciting team to talk about. But now, as I've, I'm sitting here and thinking about it, the Hornets are just, man, they could go a million different places. Yeah. Um, so just recapping their last offseason con, they signed Gordon Hayward and they drafted LaMelo Mall. And in all, in all things considered, that was a fantastic offseason con. And I think they really have a chance here to have two home run off seasons in a row. And I think it's up to their GM, Mitch Kupchak, to make that come to light. So hopefully he's listening to this podcast. Um, Mitch, if you want to take any of my tips, dude, you know, just Venmo me. It's fine. Um, hey, do you think that Mitch got, like, nut tapped too many times and that's why his last name's Kupchak? Well, it's Kupchak. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I think I'm... I think no, I think so. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so let's get into it, Colin. Um, the Hornets went from one of the most boring teams to the NBA to probably the most exciting up and coming team in just one season. And I think they have to mm-hmm. keep riding this momentum they have. And here's how they do it. Um, so just to get into the basics, Colin, cap space. The Hornets are looking at $22 million to spend this year. And then within that cap space, con, every team has exceptions. Um, the first exception that the Hornets have is a $9.5 million mid-level exception, which I'll just explain right now because I don't know if you know what that is. Um, I didn't really know what it was until don't. a couple weeks ago. And the mid-level taxpayer exception is for a team that currently projects to be a luxury taxpayer or expects to move into the luxury tax territory later in the season, and they have access to this mid-level exception that they can apply to um, one player, multiple players, and it allows them to use that for multiple years. So they have that. And then they also have a $3.7 million biannual exception, which is um, an exception that came in the new collective bargaining agreement which allows teams to spend money on salary without counting it against their salary cap those that's the biggest um thing with these two exceptions 
is it doesn't count against their salary cap when they spend this money. So the mid-level, the biannual exception allows teams to spend $1.6 million over two years, and it can be spent on multiple players if the team desires. Um, so looking at their draft pick... Yeah, sorry. We're looking at like $35 million in, in total cap space for the Hornets this offseason. Yeah. Given those exceptions. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm caught up. Um, looking at their draft pick con, they have a 1.8% chance at the number one pick. Um, you mm-hmm. know, better than zero. But realistically, sure. they will probably be somewhere in the 10 to 12-ish range, which is pretty good. You're going to get a good pick, um, especially in this mm-hmm. draft, who probably the top five players in this draft con um, could be a number one draft pick in any other year. No cap. Yeah. Um, their needs con. Um, they need a center con, both a starting and a um, backup center as Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo are both free agents, and I can't really see either of them coming back. So they need front court depth, and they're also looking to sign a backup guard con. And so addressing their biggest need in the center position con, um, Charlotte finished 25th in defensive rebounding. So the first main question I had is, how do they get better at center? And I made a list of four guys who I think they could realistically... Mm-hmm have a chance of getting, and I'm a big fan of all four of these guys. I think you are too. Um, my first target for them would be Jared Allen. He's a tricky one, though, because the Cavs traded a first-round pick for him, and he is a restricted free agent, so we will assume that the Cavs will match any contract offer that Jared Allen gets this summer. So mm-hmm. he's probably unrealistic, but I would absolutely love him on this team. Um, <clears throat> yeah. My second guy, Colin? A guy we both fucking love is Raquan Holmes. Say, this is my Raquan guy. Holmes. I would love to Rashawn see Raquan Holmes. Holmes. Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> Rashawn Holmes. Clearly, no, it doesn't love him that much. I would love to see this guy on the Hornets con. Um, he seems like he would fit in perfectly. Am I right? I think that Rashawn Holmes is one of the most underrated bigs in today's NBA. Just as a monster on the boards. He's a pretty solid shot blocker, plays really good team defense. I think that Rashawn Holmes could just be phenomenal. Plus, plus, he had the highest field goal percentage in the NBA this year. Wow. Yeah, he would be so, a perfect pick-and-roll partner. Um, he's a good finisher around the rim. Gone. I think him and LaMelo Ball would absolutely torment defenses. Um, and he nice. helps him on the other end, too, with his shot-blocking ability. Um, my next guy, he's a little bit less of a sexy signing, Colin, but I do still think he yeah. helps them address their needs in both defense and rebounding, mm-hmm. and that is Nerlens Noel, um, a guy who they could certainly get on a pretty good contract, Colin. I don't think they would have to pay him very much. Yeah, you could you could pick up Noel and still address some of these other needs and pay more of a premium elsewhere if you pick up Noel. And I, I would have to imagine that he's an upgrade over a guy like Cody Zeller. If if anything, it's a lateral move. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, that's how I see it too. And then my last my last guy that I would like to see them go after, Colin, is probably the guy who I would like to see on this team the most, and that is them acquiring Miles Turner in a sign in trade, Colin. Um, okay. And, you know, if any of my Pacer fans are listening, you know, I'm writing this from the Hornets GM perspective. I love Miles Turner. I want him to be a Pacer for life, so please don't chemically castrate me. But I was planning on it. Either way. Here's, so, here's how it would happen, Colin. Um, the Hornets get Miles Turner. The Pacers would get Devontae Graham on a sign-in trade, and they would get a 2023 first-round pick. Um, Turner fits what the Hornets need exactly. He provides elite shot blocking. He's a good rebounder, and he can also space the floor. Um, The Pacers Mm -hmm. con, they need to cut salary. Um, We're really close to the salary cap this year. And we also need guard depth with both TJ McConnell being a free agent this offseason and Aaron Holiday kind of being a question mark on his future with the Pacers. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I like I don't like this scenario that much for a Pacers um, team really. Um, I don't really want to pay Devontae Graham what he'll probably want for a backup guard, but I do like that 2023 first round pick. But if I'm looking at this from the Hornets side, Con, I love this trade so much. Really? 
Uh, go yeah. on, go on. I, I have some pushback. Let's hear it. I just I don't know if if I'm the Hornet, if I'm willing to give up. Not that I I don't project that that 2023 first rounder will be in the lottery. I mean, just given this team's trajectory, it's probably going to be in the 20s, maybe the late teens. And obviously, there's a massive decline in the value that you're getting out of a a late first-round pick as opposed to a lottery pick. But I I just don't know, given the other options for their needs, if giving up a a first-round pick is in the Hornets' best interest. Because, personally, I I think that Miles Turner is probably a, a better overall rounded player than Rashawn Holmes. But I I do think that having Rashawn Holmes and in, in paying him whatever he's asking and keeping that 2023 first-round pick probably allows the team to be better in the long run and, and give the Hornets more options than committing a first-round pick to Miles Turner right now. Yeah, um, that really comes down to how the market values Rashawn Holmes, Colin, because Miles mm-hmm. Turner is locked in on a very, very affordable $18 million a year, which is what I love, um, which gives them flexibility to spend money in other positions, too. Um, so it really depends on how much money Rashawn Holmes really wants, I guess. Yeah. I mean, do you think Rashawn Holmes is, is worth more than 18 mil? No, I, I, I think he's I think I he's like right him, around but there. I'm not paying him that. Yeah. Um, I think either options would be a fantastic um, would be a fantastic option for either of them, honestly. I agree. I agree. Um, All right, I'm already heated. Yeah, and moving into my next part is the Hornets should not bring back Devontae Graham. Um, eventually, Con, Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball are your starting guards moving forward. Um, there's not really an argument yeah. about that. But eventually they're going to cost a ton of money between the two and you mm-hmm. can't really invest whatever Devonte graham wants for him to be a backup and i think the money would be much well spent in other places to help build them a balanced team yeah i mean absolutely no arguments there um i have some points but i'll save it for later when when you bring them up yeah so next guy we're looking at is Malik Monk Khan, a guy who had a pretty shaky start to his career in Houston, but kind of found himself this year. Um, after January Khan, he shot above 40% from three, averaging about 13 points in around 22 minutes a game, um, which is definitely something promising that the Hornets can look into. And I think Malik finally may have found his role within that Hornets team. And I think they should offer him an extension. Um, the question is, Khan, is will Malik Monk accept that extension? Um, this is where their mid-level exception comes into play, Khan. They have mm-hmm. around $9.5 million that they could offer Malik Monk. They could offer him around like a four-year, $37 million contract. And it's really on him. Will he sign that extension, Khan, or will he bet on himself? Um, something we've seen guys do just this year, like Gary Trent Jr., um, I can't say in full confidence if he would sign that contract. I think he should. If I was his agent, I'd probably tell him to sign that, as seeing as how he, you know, he hasn't been very consistent so far. But yeah. if another team wants to offer him more than that, con you let him walk and wish him the best. Honestly. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, what is that? You're factoring that out to be a little over nine million dollars a year. I think that's a very fair offer for a guy like Malik Monk. Um, but as you've said, NBA players like to bet on themselves. These are guys who historically they have been the best basketball player in their hometown at their high school level, probably at the college level too. I know Malik Monk was. And it's it's tough for these guys to acquiesce and, and say, okay, sure. I'm not going to bet on myself. I'm not going to go out and make 100 mil on a five-year deal. I'll make 37 mil on on a four-year. I think it'd be worth it for them. I think he provides phenomenal depth. If he continues on this trajectory of having 
presumably figured out his three-point shot. I think he adds a lot of value to an already um, fairly, no, not even fairly, just offensively deep in weapons team. They can hit you in, in a couple different ways uh, with a couple different guys. And I think that the people around him, it's it's a good fit for him. And, and that's the other thing I would consider, too, is if, if I'm Malik Monk, do I want to go walk and, and see what 40 mil a year in, I don't know, Indiana looks like for me? <laughs> or do I want to play with LaMelo Ball and watch him just shine in this league and, and reap the benefits of that? Yeah. Um, I hope Malik Monk uh, would sign that contract if the Hornets would offer that to him because I don't I don't think other teams think highly of him, Colin. And I wouldn't either. I mean, I if like if I'm the Bulls, for example, like, I don't want to pay Malik Monk. You know. No, that contract could so quickly become a bad contract. Garbage. He, yeah. Um, my next move, Colin, is to offer Terry Rozier a contract extension. Um, people were pretty mm-hmm. quick to clown the Hornets for signing him for what they initially did, Colin. Um, I was in that group Clowned too. Hard. I was in that group too. But um, now the Celtics look kind of dumb as Rozier is healthier than Kimba and he outplayed Kimba this year. Um, Rozier had both a career oh, high in field goal percentage and points per game this year. Um, if I'm the Hornets GM, I'm offering him a four years, $96 million contract, which equates out to around $24 million a year. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable offer, Colin, and I think other teams certainly would offer him that. But the kicker here is that the Hornets have his bird rights, so their cap hit is less. The cap hit of his contract is less on them than if he were to sign to another team. So offering them's contract is actually really good for them. And because they have his bird rights, um, NBA contracts are such a funny situation, Con. You know, with all these yeah. like exceptions and clauses that they can have in them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm offering Terry Rozier a contract. Um, him and Lamelo to me are the front court of or the back court of the future. I think so too. And, and the stat that sticks out to me most is in the last two years his his first two years on charlotte both years he has attempted exactly 8.2 two point shots a game and in this last year his field goal percentage on those shots increased about eight percent to me not only does that say a lot you know i'm not just gonna write terry off that says a lot about what playing with a guy like LaMelo Ball does to you. It just opens up the floor. He can play more of the shooting guard role, which I think actually fits him better than the true point guard role. And and having to run the offense, I think that takes away a bit from what he can offer on the offensive end. And when he's their second option, I mean, obviously he's just shined. So... Uh, I th- I say go for it. A thirty nine and a half percent three point shooter over the last two years, he he is something. He is something. Yeah, um, I I like Terry's here a lot. Um, the last Hornets player that is up for a contract extension, Colin is Miles Bridges, and he seems like a guy to me, Colin, that will bet on himself regardless of because in this situ- in this scenario. Um, the Hornets can really only offer their mid-level exception, which is like nine and a half million, and I do mm-hmm. think Miles Bridges can make more than that. So I do think offering him I a contract so. extension is a bit sticky because I do think he would bet on himself. Yeah, and you still have him for next season. Is next season going to be his last season on the Hornets? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, which I think, yeah, I think you still need to see a little more out of him too. I, I think so too, but to your point, as it, again, I'm, I'm going to say this from the Bulls' perspective because I, I think that it's a pretty um, good hypothetical team to think about who you would want because I think that they're in a fairly similar place to the Hornets. Obviously, we don't have 
a uh, Lamelo Ball esque figure that's just totally destined for superstardom, but just in in terms of the team's goals, we're in pretty similar places. And Miles Bridges to me is much more attractive long term than Malik Monk is. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, getting into what they do with their draft pick con. Um, this is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts for the Hornets here. Um, this is worst case scenario. They get the 12th pick to con, but I think that they should take Corey Kispert, a player who I'm such a big fan of. He played for Gonzaga this year. And, you know, people, people may think that the Hornets should draft a big here con, but I think the Hornets are ready to win now. And rookie bigs take time to develop we saw that with James Wiseman this year and I don't really think of drafting a rookie big would help address their main problems they have right now so I think the Hornets need to use their cap for a center get a guy who's already been in the league for a while and um an established Mm guy but I think Kispert provides a really good shooting and really good defense um something the Hornets are going to need they're going to need guard depth if um they lose both Mm -hmm. Devontae Graham and Malik Monk this offseason um, to me, Corey Kispert could be an easy 50-40-90 guy. He shot 44% from three last year. He's a good off- and on-ball defender. And Kispert is a four-year college player, Con, So he's ready to step in and help the Hornets win right now, which I'm in love with this pick, really. I mean, everything you've just described to me, it sounds like a match made in heaven. You're getting a guy who should replace any um, of the abilities that Malik Monk is providing you and the other guards off the bench and potentially adding a defensive stopper because from my knowledge, we know that Terry Rozier is not a good defender and uh, I'm not sure where uh, the the public opinion has fallen on LaMelo at this point in terms of his defense. I think he's considered average would be my guess. Do you, do you have any comments there? Um. Yeah, Terry Rozier and the Mellow Ball are both average to below average defenders, Con. You know, they're like serviceable to where they won't get picked on, but they're certainly not stoppers, you know? Mm-hmm. And the Hornets as a team had a pretty below average defensive rating at yeah. overall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's an issue that you always need to address. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, you know what? They actually, they were better than I thought. In terms of points allowed, they finished 13th. Mm. Um, and that's with it, two bad centers. That is with two bad centers. They finished 13th overall with a defensive rating of 17. Mm. Honestly, higher than I expected. So, it's way higher than I expected. Side note, somehow the Bulls finished 11th in defensive rating after mm. letting up like 140 points their first 10 games. <laughs> so uh, that that's something. Good for them. And my last little segment, Colin, is um, my free agent wish list for this Hornets team. Um, and my first guy is Montrez Harrell. Um He's a guy who I really think is going to go to the Hornets, Con. Um, I think regardless, if they get Montrezl Harrell, I do think they will still need another center on the roster. Um, Montrezl Harrell is a good mm-hmm. center, Con, And I think Charlotte could go from probably the worst center depth in the league to a top 10 center depth in the league. Um, Montrezl is a good offensive rebounder. He's also a good finisher, which is exactly what you want around LaMelo, as they would be running a ton of pick and roll. And... I love the thought of Montrez on this team, Colin. And he seems like he fits their, like, vibe, too. Yeah, and I, I think it's an attractive place to be. I mean, w- when you talk about franchises that you want to go play for, all of a sudden the Charlotte Hornets are, are probably a lot higher on on free agent lists than they were a year ago. And we're talking about a guy who's who's 28. I mean, he's played for some very high-profile teams. Uh, I don't know if he wants to go back to the Lakers. I feel like he was fairly underutilized uh, yeah. given his abilities. And I think that 
he would receive a, a much larger offensive role on a team like the Hornets. And yeah, I think that they they could use Montrez Harrell. Yeah, he fits that. Montrez Harrell wants to be a Hornet. He fits that six man role for them perfectly. Yeah, uh, I think so too. And he's not. He uh, yeah. I just I. It's gonna depend on what the market is for Montrez Harrell because the the contract he's on now he's getting six mil a year, and that seems a little bit lower than what I wouldn't pay for Montrez Harrell. But at the same time, I uh, I could see somebody giving Montrez. Mm, 13 to 15 mil mm-hmm. and that I, I just don't know if if that's worth it yeah um, Montrezl Harrell to me Colin is not a starting center caliber player at this point in time um, and you know for a good starter in the league you're looking at somewhere in the 15 to like a good starter who's not like a one or two option con you're looking at somewhere in like 15 mm-hmm. to 21 range which i i i think 15 is way too much to pay for Montres harrell but if they yeah. could get somewhere in the 11 to 12 range i do like that move for this team all right i hear you i hear you i like it um my next player con he's a little bit less sexier than them getting Montres harrell but as we already said, the Hornets are going to need shooting if they lose Devontae Graham and Malik Monk. Um, fun fact, Colin, actually, P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges actually both shot above 40% from three this season. But I don't know if that's a for sure thing to happen again. Um, yeah. Is it a repeatable number? Yeah. So I'd like to see the Hornets go out and maybe get Patty Mills, Con. Um, as we know, James Brega is from the Greg Popovich coaching tree, so him and Patty already have somewhat of an established relationship. And I think Patty would help them out with both his veteran presence. Um, he's a pretty stable guard, Con, which I think is something you want on the bench um, for a team that is so young. And he also knows how to shoot that three-pointer. Um, so I, I honestly like Patty Mills on the Hornets a lot. Yeah, I I hear that. I mean, you can get him for pretty the cheap too. Leadership is huge. Um, obviously, this is a guy who has played in San Antonio for almost a decade now. So I, I wonder if he is is going to be itching to move at all, or if he wants to stay in San Antonio and um, play out the remainder of. Uh, I won't call it his his prime, um, but his his really um, added contribution years, where he's still going to see a significant role with significant minutes. But I think that this move makes a lot of sense. Yeah, to I think that Patty's a good ball handler. I think coming off the bench um, to lead that second unit, you could do a lot worse than a guy like Patty Mills. Yeah, and. As you said, Colin, he is still capable of, like, being a good bench player. And I think the Spurs are going to lose DeMar DeRozan this offseason. So they're going to be a big question mark, Colin, and if they even can compete for a playoff spot. And Patty could go to this Hornets team knowing that they're probably they're going to compete for a playoff spot, if not be a lock for the, these playoffs. Um, I would love to see him on the Hornets. Yeah, I think so, too. And... Just quickly, what are you paying a guy like Patty Mills? He made thirteen um, million this last year. I think that's where the biannual exception comes into. How much did he make this year? He made thirteen point three million. Um, I think he'd be willing to take a pay cut. Fifty deal. I think he'd be willing to take a pay cut at this point in his career, gone to go play for a playoff contender. So I think that's where the three point seven um, biannual exception could come into play. And if he wouldn't take that. Eh. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not paying him any more than that, I'll tell you that. Yeah, fair. I, I don't know. I don't think he's getting another four-year 50 mil. No. Um, he's going to get, like, a one-year, two-year. Yeah. I think eight million bucks is a, is a good spot for, for Patty. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Rounding off the list, Con, um, we're running out of time here, but I'll just read off the mm-hmm. rest of the guys that I would like to see on the Hornets. Um, Laurie Markkinen, a guy it. who's a restricted free agent, Con. Um, I don't think he's going to go to the Hornets. In ideal scenario, I think the we've been talking about it for a while. The Bulls um, mm-hmm. basically just swap with the Pelicans, him and Lonzo. Um, but Laurie Markkinen, I think, would be awesome to see on this Hornets team. Um, you know, regardless of what you think about Laurie, he still is a knockdown three-point shooter. He shot up a 40% this season, um, and he's a big who is pretty decent at rebounding. Um, I think Bobby Portis would be pretty fun on this team, Con. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. would be fun on this team. Um, other guys are like Josh Hart, Paul Millsap, Serge Ibaka, Andre Drummond, Alex Caruso, and Derek Rose are all potential guys I would like to see on this Hornets team, Con. And, you know, we're not looking at super young guys, Con, for this Hornets team because they kind of have already enough of that. Um, we're looking at veteran presence and guys who have been in the league, established themselves um, to come in and help lead this young Hornets team. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it is all about surrounding LaMelo Ball with players that you think he can be competitive with. Um, I don't think that... Uh, not that there's a ton of high-end free agents in this free agency, um, but, but I don't think that's where you're going if you're the Hornets. Yeah. I think it's all about Role just players. mixing and matching, figuring out what works with the Mellow, whose play styles and what play styles match his game the best, and then move from there. I, I think it's you're, you're starting to figure out how the machine works and then maybe – three years down the road you can be a real ultra competitive contender yeah i mean looking at the big picture for them con this team's future is so bright um they would have made the playoffs con if lamella ball and gordon hayward didn't get injured oh absolutely, absolutely i think if they do any of the things on this list that i just wrote down con i think they'll have a fantastic off season i think so too i think there is a lot to be excited about if you are a Charlotte Hornets fan or a fan of the NBA and, and want to see a team that has done diddly squat ever since uh, joining the league back in the 80s. And yeah, um, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Bench Chatter, um, the Common Man's NBA podcast. I thought this was a ton of fun, Colin, um, explaining to you what I think fine. the Hornets should do. And, you know, be on the lookout. We're going to hope to do this for every team in the league. Yeah, we're we're gonna start getting these episodes out and it's saying uh, saying our thoughts on them, um, and then we can just totally scrutinize these GMs to the point where maybe if we bully them online enough, we could just become the GMs <laughs> of a team. <laughs> that's the that's the end goal at the end of the day. All right, sold, sold. Let's uh, let's nut tap this guy, see what he does about it. See a Mitch Kupchak. Peace. And see ya to our fans. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week.